get you in there. Should I stay or should I go? You say that you are mine. Some people know the words. <laughs> Okay, that'll be <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to show how down with the kids I was. What music is. No, two, no. Okay, very, very modern music. <laughs> oh, okay. A bit before the time of quite a lot of people <laughs> now I Now I think about it. Should I stay or should I go? When do we stick around? When do we persevere? When do we move on? That's one of the things we're going to be talking about today from this uh, short passage here in Acts chapter 14 as we continue our, our tour through the book of Acts. Where are we? Just to say where we are at the moment. Paul and Barnabas have been down to Cyprus and then last week, last week, yes, yeah, we talked about their work up in Antioch, the city in Antioch. Now we're moving on to Iconium. And we'll see mentioned the cities of Lystra and Derby uh, as well. But we're going to focus on Iconium today uh, in Asia Minor, as it was then Turkey as it is now. Uh, the city of Iconium, where we're going to be today, is modern Konya in uh, Turkey, 90 miles east of Antioch. It's a place that has abundant water, which in the region is a very valuable thing. Rich vegetation, uh, great prosperity mm. in this place. Let's have a look at the passage and then uh, talk about what it might mean for us. Where am I? Where's my passage? It was there. There it is. Okay. In Acts 14. Paul and Barnabas, moving on. At Iconium. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. What an interesting set of incidents here, and what might that uh, shed light on for us? Iconium is mentioned a few other times in the Bible, so we've got some other references in Acts chapter uh, 14. Um, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, so they got chased out of town, but some people from Iconium chased them further to the next place they went. And, and in fact, they tried to stone him in, in Iconium, but they managed to stone him uh, later on, Acts 19, uh, 14 verse 19 there. For some reason, I put that reference twice. In chapter 16, the believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. That's about Timothy. So we know that Timothy's, uh, had, uh, his suitability had uh, spread across that region of different uh, cities. And in 2 Timothy, Paul mentions Iconium one other time to Timothy. You have and know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium? and the list of the persecutions I endured. So this was an important place for Paul, important for the church. The church got established there and continued long after Paul had moved on. 
Uh, so wonderful things happened there as a result of Paul Ivanova's going. As a result of what? As a result of them being effective in their speaking. Uh, the verse here in chapter 14, verse uh, 1, is a kind of, some people say they have a life verse. Well, they have some life verses, meaning they're, they're verses that, from the Bible that mean a lot to them all through their life. And, and this is one for me, um, because of the role I've played for so long in, in uh, church life. They spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. And I, I think there is a great place for effective speaking. Whether that's public speaking or speaking to one another, I, I think it's one and the same in many ways. They spoke so effectively. And what we're looking at today is, is the result of effective speaking, of sharing faith, of talking about Jesus, of uh, talking about the gospel in an effective way. What happens when we're effective in speaking to people? Well, a couple of things. So they go, um, oh by the way, they are in a Jewish synagogue to start with, which this is a model of what it might have looked like, or a, a drawing, something like that. So a, a building, someone like that is where they go. It says, as usual, that's their usual modus operandi. So the first thing I'm going to talk about today is the fact that if we're going to speak effectively and we're going to know how to react, uh, we need to understand that we're enabled by God. We're enabled by God. This is what it says about them, that they're enabled by God. Um, to do what they do. Uh, in verse 3, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, even though they were opposed, even though the minds of people around them had been poisoned. Uh, they spent time there, they stayed there. It's an interesting thing to me that they didn't uh, hear about the poisoning or see the people being poisoned and think, oh, well, we've done our work here, let's move on. When they saw the minds of people being poisoned, it actually made them stick around. They stuck around, and it says that they spoke boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Enabling them. I think it's a wonderful phrase. To be enabled by God. I don't know about you, but I often feel like I am not up to the task of being a Christian in this day and age. I feel like I'm not up to the task of being a Christian in my own heart, let alone sometimes in my neighborhood or wherever I go, right? I find myself tongue-tied at times. I find myself not knowing what to say to people if they ask me about faith. Or even if they don't ask me about faith, how to start a conversation and, or how to continue with it. And what to do when you come up to an obstacle in, in someone's faith and, and you don't know the answer. And, and, and in fact, you get ridiculed. Perhaps minds are poisoned around you, towards you. Uh, perhaps you get trolled online. Uh, there's lots of things that can happen to to reduce our boldness, our confidence, and uh, our expectations as to what God can do. And what we see here is Paul and Barnabas, they speak effectively, minds are poisoned, but they carry on speaking, they carry on working they, for some considerable time. They said, we don't know how long, but obviously it's more than a week or two. Some considerable time they stayed there, and, and they knew, I think they knew in their hearts, the work they were doing was enabled by God. I mean, God enabled them here to do signs and miracles. Um, but doesn't God always enable us? Isn't the work that we do for Him always really enabled by Him? When we're trying to do it in our own strength, it's exhausting. Um, it usually doesn't last if there is fruit. And uh, it doesn't glorify God. And it's discouraging. So we need to be consciously enabled by God in the work that we're trying to do. So my question is this. So we're going to discuss amongst ourselves for a minute. How does God enable us today? 
That's the Greek word there, didomi is the word enable. Okay, so how does God enable us enable us enable us today? I suppose. How does God enable us today? Okay, let's take three minutes. Can you talk to someone next to you and uh, then we'll come back and have a discussion in a moment? Alright, three minutes on timing. Starting from now. How does God enable us today? Let's talk to your neighbor. Come to church and listen to this sermon. Yeah. God enabling you to wake up 
in your right mind. That's a sort of a, a, a testimony to the peace that passes understanding aspect of the way the spirit works in us. A good insight? Excellent. Good. We're looking for it. Which one of the three or four? Uh,
not about a religion. It's, I think that's very important. And also they have a positive message. It's a message of God's grace. He confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them. So they are preaching a message of grace, and he confirms that message of grace by enabling them and empowering them. So I think there's something about that as well that may be worthwhile thinking about when we get a bit discouraged or a bit fed up or we're not getting much response is, firstly, is it, are we getting discouraged because it's deflating our ego? Um, are we getting discouraged because we're preaching about church and religion rather than about Jesus? Are we getting discouraged because we are, we're not bringing across a positive message about the gospel and God's grace? Just something to think about from, from this passage. So the first thing that we see is God enables them. Let's talk about, just to finish off, the results of God's enablement. What happens as a result of this persevering and this enablement to continue to preach? Things, interesting, they don't get better. They get worse. We go from poisoning to a plot. A plot not to do something just vaguely nasty to them, but actually to stone them. Now, this is at a whole other whole level, right? So, they, they decide to move on. Um, how do we decide when to move on? Right? This is our next discussion. You've got another three minutes for this, right? So let's say you've had some you've had some poisoning, you've had some opposition, you've persevered, God has strengthened you. How do you know when to move on? They leave, like <coughs> they have been there considerable time, they've persevered through some persecution and difficulty, and then after this, they hear about the plot, it says they found out about it and fled. That's interesting. So is there a contradiction here? Are they kind of bold one minute and then fearful the next? I mean, what's interesting what's going on. So when do we know when to move on from a situation? When to move on from trying to help persuade certain people? When do we know it's time to move on rather than persevere and trust God to enable us? Three minutes discussion on that. All right? Okay. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs>
Maybe a big question here with Because where I'm at at the moment, you know. I, I don't, if, I, if they don't respond to my text, or they just, you know, they don't know where they're from. So maybe someone else will reach out to them, I'm hoping, you know. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Okay, so what do we think? How do we decide when it's right to move on? How do we, how do we know what the signs? How do we make that decision? What do you think? How do we decide to move on? Okay. A sign. Yeah. If, it's a, if it's affecting you, in particular, perhaps it's perhaps it's causing a less than Christ-like response in you, or less than Christ-like attitude in you, that may be a sign. Yes, that's a really good point. Good, thank you. Other thoughts? How do we decide, Barry? Other than that, the ability to aid of communication is different. We're not standing in front of people all the time. Yes. Um, so we felt that there are times when And that's another nuance, perhaps, in between these two things. There's perseverance and staying involved. There's leaving and leaving people alone. And then there's somewhere in between where perhaps we still have contact, but we're not directly involved in an active, in an active way. Right? So that's, that's one aspect we don't see here. But yes, it's another option. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Other thoughts? When do we know? How do we know when to move on? There are times to move on. I think we were saying about, I think the enabling part doesn't stop. I think God enables mm. us to have wisdom to be able to read situations or read, you mm -hmm. know, and, and to, to then think, okay, God's closing this door now. It's yes. time for us to move on, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation, a yes. decision that we're making. I feel like... He's still enabling. <laughs> it's still part of the same thing. Yeah. Right. So sometimes the enabling is about strength and perseverance mm. to carry on. And sometimes the enabling is a wisdom. Yeah. A discernment. Uh, yeah, discernment. Yeah, discernment. Excellent. That's true. Yeah, Dan. That's it, that when they stop buying you coffee in Starbucks. <laughs> when they stop buying you coffee. <laughs> 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 So when is you buying all the coffees? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a dark day. It's a sign to move on. Other <coughs> thoughts? The other way is stepping. I think it, the 
there's a rare, I think it's from my experience, it's a rare occasion where God makes it very clear. Sometimes he does. It's very rare, but sometimes he does. He, he really just shuts the door and opens another one. Right. Sometimes God shuts the door. Yeah. That's something we might need to pray about. God, you know, if it is right for me to move on, would you please shut the door? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He may not answer that prayer directly, but he might. It might be the, the thing to pray. It's a tricky one, this, because I don't like this whole idea. I don't like this whole idea because it feels like if I'm going to move on from trying to reach out and help somebody, then A, I'm judging them. I feel like I'm judging them. And secondly, I feel like I'm, is it right to give up? God never gives up. And I'm not saying this is an easy thing, and I'm not doing a whole lesson on, on this point because it's too complex for just a few minutes this morning. But I think it's something we have to wrestle with. Mm. is there are times to move on. Let me suggest a couple of thoughts. Um, I think when you realize you're dealing with a cynic rather than a skeptic, a skeptic is someone who says, I'm not sure that's true. Are you really saying that's true? I'm not sure that's true. That's a skeptic. A cynic is like, there's no way you're ever going to convince me this is true because I have decided that everything that you're saying is rubbish and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to... And I've had um, online interactions with people like this. So there was a time, and I've shared this here before, that where someone was kind of trolling me, and I would give a reasonable answer to their, their online question to my YouTube um, video, whatever it was, I'd give a very reasonable and very calm kind of is considered response with facts, and I was very nice about it, and I would just get, um, I would get something quite vile back with no, there was clearly no, after a while it was clear there was no desire to learn, there was only a desire to wound. Mm. Now I think that's a cynic. I'm currently engaged in an ongoing conversation with somebody else who posted something on one of my YouTube videos, and it's very different because although he is very clearly not someone who who believes what I'm saying is right, he's willing to discuss and engage a very different spirit. So we're carrying on with that, and it's good for me. I mean, it makes me think, right? But when you hit a cynic, that's probably a time to not waste your time anymore on uh, being with that person. I'm reminded of the verse in Matthew 7, verse 6, when Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Mm. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Mm. Now, that's a wisdom thing, a discernment thing. Again, when is someone a pig? I don't know. I don't want to judge that. That's judge. But I don't think it's about judging when someone's a pig. I think it's about noticing what someone is doing. And the kind of person who's dangerous to you to devour you. Pigs devour everything, right? That's the thing about pigs. They eat absolutely everything. Isn't it in crime dramas sometimes they they feed the body of someone they've killed to a pig because the pigs eat everything? I'm not recommending that. I just, I think I heard that somewhere. It was on TV. It must be true. So, um, don't, don't do that to anybody you know. Um, but they devour. And I think that's the dangerous thing for Paul and Barnabas here is that they would be, it's not that they, I think, are afraid of the violence. Uh, it's that they realize if they are devoured by this, if they're stoned to death, they will not be able to carry on with the gospel and they feel they've been called to go and preach the gospel. So there's something about cynics in here. And I think maybe there's also the idea that if you're feeling this intense opposition, that maybe it's God directing you to new opportunities. How did churches get started in Lystra and Derby and other places? It's because God allowed Paul and Barnabas to be driven out. 
So how do we find the open people open to the gospel? It might be stopping spending our time with the people who are not right now open to the gospel. So sometimes it's God directing us to, uh, to new opportunities. Let me remind you of this slide, which we showed three and a half years ago at the beginning of our congregational life, of hearts, beds, and bucks. These three counties, there are two and a half million people in these three counties. There are 1,130 towns, villages, and hamlets. There are 56 settlements with over 5,000 population in them. That's a lot of people in a lot of places. Maybe, maybe we need to think about our own lives and whether uh, we might be spending too much time with some people who are more like a cynic than a skeptic and need to move on a bit. Move on to, to reaching out to other people in other houses, in other streets, in other locations. Um, maybe we're not being called to move house, but maybe we're being called to move on from a person. I don't know, that's up to you to think about, but it's something that we see here which enables the gospel to be preached elsewhere. So, wrap it up. Um, neither poisoning nor plots were enough to deter Barnabas and Saul. They didn't stop, they moved, but they carried on. I love the, the way that these, these verses are framed by these two phrases, as usual and continued. They went into the synagogue as usual, and when they get kicked out of town, they go to Lystra and Derby, and it says that they, uh, they continued to preach. Where's that verse? They continued to preach the gospel in verse 7. God is at work confirming the message of his grace. He's at work empowering his messages. He's at work affirming his bold ambassadors. And we could add, he's at work redirecting their work when the time is right to move on. So things for us to think about, should we stay or should we go? Well, whether we stay or whether we go, we need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is available to every single one of us. Hope that's helpful. We'll carry on again with Acts chapter 14 next week.